0: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Tell somebody next to you that I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm very much thankful to the Lord for his relationship with us, that he actually make makes us to be kings and queens on the earth, Amen. that we may rule in life through the one Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And two weeks ago, we were busy having our week of prayer, and last week I had he was continuing in prayer, and I was also continuing in prayer, Amen. and today we'll still continue in prayer. amen Amen. and looking at the life of Jesus I want you to think of how the life of Jesus was like Jesus was God fully God in every respect but when he was on earth did you realize how often he prayed when you go through scriptures you hear Jesus withdrew himself and went to pray Jesus went away, prayed the whole night, and came back in power. This, this. So I thought, then prayer has to be very important in the life of a Christian. Because Jesus said, your father knows what you need even before you ask, but he wants you to ask. He could have said, as long as you wish it to happen, it will happen. You don't have to pray. It would still have worked. But he didn't do it that way. He said, your father still wants you to ask. So I realized that actually we've got our victory in Jesus as we exercise our faith, as we are diligent in our prayer life. But sometimes you find that we do not get the answers of the things we are praying for. Then we need to ask ourselves, the problem is not in God's side. The problem should be on our side. Amen. Because if prayer worked for Jesus, if prayer worked for the disciples, if prayer worked for other people that you hear, it's working for them. So when it's not working for you, then the problem is not with prayer or with God. It's with you. Amen. So I want us to go to the book of Luke chapter 11 so that you see that it's necessary for us to be taught to pray. We need to know how to pray. We also need to know how to be prayerful. Amen. 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 Luke 11 verse 1, we'll do it in the King James. Because I see prayer as an opportunity to fellowship with the Father. But also as an opportunity to have transactions with the Father to change my situations. When there are things that need to be changed, I pray. And exercise my faith and things do happen. Because some of you say it was going to happen anyway. Why does it have to wait for my prayers? If it's a coincidence, coincidence should happen without me praying. Amen? Amen. But if I pray and things happen, then it's not, the, it's not coincidence. It's my prayer that has brought results. Because God hears me. want you to <coughs> open that Luke 11 verse 1, King James. It says Jesus was in a certain place praying meaning we should also pray if you think things will happen even without you having to pray then it should have worked for jesus amen so if it didn't work for jesus and he had to pray it means you will have to pray and it says one of his disciples said to him lord teach us to pray As John taught his disciples. Let's start with as John taught his disciples. It means it was not only the disciples of Jesus who were praying. Even Jesus was praying. Even John was praying. Even John's disciples were praying. And now, one of his disciples comes to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray. So today I want us to talk about Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And I want you to understand that in two facets. When somebody says teach me to do something, it's got two meanings. If I say Lord, teach me to pray. It may mean teach me to be a prayerful person. Or it may mean teach me how to pray. You get that? Yeah. So, If I'm taught to speak, okay, let's take a simple one. If I say, teach me to speak, it means you teach me to speak. And when I know to speak, then I will even know how to speak. And when you don't have to dictate the words for me to follow you, isn't it? Our parents taught us to speak, but they didn't teach us every word. Isn't it? Yeah. So it means they taught us to speak, not how to speak. I want you to get that. Okay. So when this disciple was saying, Lord, teach us to pray. So for me, it's got two meanings. He's either saying, teach us how to pray or teach us to be prayerful people. And we are going to learn from both those. Amen. Lord, teach us to pray. Go to Jeremiah 33, verse 3 in the NIV. I just want to share with you that as somebody that can pray and God hears you, you have an advantage and make use of the advantage. In the book of John, that man who was blind, he says, I know that God does not hear the prayer of sinners. So, if God wants to hear from you, you are privileged. You've got an ear of God, Amen. So, read for us that Jeremiah thirty-three verse three, NIV. Call
1: to me, and I will answer you. Okay,
0: let's start there. He says, "Call to me," so he is inviting us to call to him. Okay, so it means he doesn't see you being being a nuisance when you are praying. He doesn't feel you are bothering me when you are praying. He says, call to me and I will answer you. Okay, continue.
1: And tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know.
0: This is a good invitation. Tell your neighbor this is a very good invitation. (laughs) Tell your neighbor there are a lot of things that you don't know. but when you, him, you. when you call on him he will tell you amen so when the lord was sharing this with me i started practicing that in my prayer i would i would sometimes be still and just be sensitive within my spirit and he would tell me things that i did not know even this morning i got some revelations of the things that we need to the direction that we should be going as the church Calling upon him and just praying and praying and praying. And then the Lord drops something that you were not even praying for. Amen. Amen. Because as you call on him, he answers you. But he also tells you great and mighty things or unsearchable things that you do not know. I want you to understand that. He says, call unto me and I will answer you. That's one portion. But I will not only focus on what you called me for. I also have some other secrets that I want to share with you. Amen. i rather have the secrets from God. You know that there are people who like gossip. There are people who like gossip. If they hear there was this, you want to hear, you want to hear. But can I tell you, if your ears are itching, keep on going to God. He will keep on sharing with you some secrets. And those secrets are very needed because in our daily lives, sometimes we are suffering unnecessarily when the solution is very close to us. So, when he says, call to me, he says, when you call me, I will answer you. So, he has bound himself to that. So, if you were calling him and you were not getting answers, it's not that he wasn't answering you. Because he said, when you call me, I will answer you. Amen. Amen. He didn't say call to me and I will decide whether to answer you. You call me and I will answer you. But I also have some great and unsearchable things that I want to share with you. So I then realized it means I mustn't miss an opportunity to pray. Whether it's in my own personal life in my home, more often than not, I should be getting time to pray. Just like Jesus, the Bible would say, Jesus withdrew himself to pray. He was realizing, I just want to fellowship with the Father. But I also know that the Father has got some things that he wants to share with me. Amen. And he can share those things with me when I'm in prayer. I want you to be encouraged by this. Because sometimes... Even when, let's say, we say it's a week of prayer, or even for your own homes, in your own place, when it's time to pray, look at it that way. See it as an opportunity to talk to the Father, to fellowship with the Father, but also an opportunity where the Father can reveal things to you and show you things that you do not know. So it means in many cases, there are a lot of things Where we are missing it because we are not having enough time in prayer. Amen. Sometimes you may find you are worried and praying about this. When actually God wants you to do this. So when he says call unto me. I will answer you. And show you. Things and some unsearchable things that you do not know. There are some things that you don't know. But I want to share them with you. But I can only share those things with you when you have time for me. Especially in our busy world, we are very busy. We are very busy people. And when you are busy, you will miss the voice of the Lord. The Lord wants you to set time for him just to say, Lord, I just want to be fellowshipping with you. Okay? As you spend that time Then he knows you've got time for him. He can reveal. He can share things to you. How would you feel? Take in your own personal life. If somebody is in a hurry and you've got some things to tell them, you realize this one is in a hurry. The time won't be enough for me to tell this. I can't tell this one. Isn't it? Don't you also do that as a person? Yeah, you can see this one is in a hurry. He's busy. He's not going to hear me. So I'm not going to waste my time Trying to talk to him because he doesn't have time for me. But now, if you are a child of God and you go before the father and say, Father, I just want to fellowship with you. I just want to have time in your presence. Then he says, oh, by the way, there's also this thing that I wanted you to know about. There's also this thing that I want you to do. There's also this deal that is coming along the way. And when people do this, don't do it this way, do it this way. Did you, have you ever realized that most people that we hear of in the Bible, we would hear the Lord revealing things to them, even the ones who lived in the Old Testament. So how much more with us living under the new covenant with better promises? So he encourages us to pray. Some of you, you get discouraged because you think, I've been praying and praying, but things were not happening. So you got discouraged. Jesus knows even about that. So go to the book of Luke 18, verse 1. We do it in the Good News Translation, GNT. Because some of you, you were very much prayerful people. But you are no longer a prayerful person. There were times when you used to pray a lot. And you would see what God is doing in your lives. But now all of a sudden, you are either lukewarm or cold in prayer. You are no longer passionate about prayer. To such an extent that even when it's time to pray, you think, do I really have to go and pray? Um, I don't feel like going to pray now. You start putting your feelings into it. Amen. But if you knew that prayer is actually that time for me to be talking to my father. And the father also has got some things that he wants to share with me. And sometimes we pray, and when something, when you find something didn't happen, then you get discouraged. You start thinking, does really prayer work? Does it really work? It works. You can ask Jesus, you can ask me, you can ask those that, whose prayers were answered. You know it works. So it means if I've prayed and I didn't get what I was praying for, I'm not going to give up. Because I know prayer works. Luke 18, verse 1, good news.
1: Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to teach them that they should always pray and never become discouraged.
0: I want you to look at this. In Luke 11, it says, Lord, teach us to pray. And I said to you, teach us to pray may mean teach us to be prayerful people, which is what Jesus is saying here. They should always pray. He's not telling them how to pray. You're getting that? He is teaching them to be always praying, to be always prayerful people. That's what this one is saying. He doesn't say, and he told them they must pray this way. In this one he says, he was teaching them a parable that they should always pray. So ask your neighbor, are you a prayerful person? Amen. They should always pray And never be discouraged. So let's start with, they should always pray. I remember there was somebody who genuinely came and asked me in our church. So I can give that example because the person is not here. But also because I will not give you the name. So I've got advantage. So that person said to me, Pastor, you know, I like even attending all night prayers and all that. But... After praying maybe only three minutes, um, I don't have anything more to tell God. It's finished. How can you help me? And I thought that's a genuine question. Indeed, there are people who say, but the Lord is saying we should always pray. But I, I really like to pray. I really love to pray. But just after talking two, three words, there's nothing more for me to tell God. Now you say you've got an all-night prayer. Now you say you've got a week of prayer. Then maybe there's not even a point for me to go there because I'll pray and after two minutes, it's finished with me. But if the master says you should always pray, we need to always pray before I come to the and never be discouraged. So let's continue that one. So I said to this person, let's take it this simple. I, I just took a simple thing which I must take a simple thing with you. Okay. I think I'll start with Babu Ngongwane. I'll give an example with you. Okay. Babu Ngongwane, your wife is up in the north. Uh, You've got children. Before I even talk about your pastor. So just think now, if I say Babu Ngongwane, we're giving you time to pray. Now you start, just when you start only with your wife. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are keeping my wife safe wherever she is. I thank you that you keep her in good health. Oh, by the way, there is this thing that she was also wishing to have. She was desiring to have. Father, I pray that you come through for her. And wherever she is, I pray that you continue to keep her uh, covered under the blood of Jesus. You haven't started with the children. Now you're going, you're going, you're going. And all of a sudden, now you think if you're blessed with four children, like some of us, then you start with one. Now, time. And now some of you say, no, I don't have children yet. Okay, you've got this brethren around you here. You've got your siblings. And by the way, imagine if all of you were praying for me. Imagine the whole church praying for the pastor. So if, if every day I get a portion from each one of you, amen. Paul says, brethren, pray for us. So if, if it means then, three minutes is too little now. Okay? So let's take now when you have a specific prayer item that you need to focus on. So the thing that will help you That's why usually when we've got prayer items, we also start giving you some scriptures to link to that prayer item. Because the language that God understands is his word. Amen. Amen. By the way, some people think an effective prayer or a powerful prayer is an eloquent prayer. Prayer doesn't have to do with eloquency. I want to give you this example. If your child, let's say your child, uh, like Moses, do we call it stutter or stammer? Yeah. So, like Moses, and your child comes and stammers and is asking for something, and you know what he's asking for? You give him. You don't even think he's stammering, isn't it? And somebody who is not your child comes and eloquently speaks. They don't get it, even if they were very eloquent. I remember when we grew up, we thought prayer, especially our old men. They would talk some big terms. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I used to hear big terms and, and referring to God and some terms that we haven't seen them in scriptures. But we thought that was prayer. But the proof of the pudding is in the eating. So if indeed those terms are powerful, then we must see the results. Amen. So if you are praying, like I'm saying, some of us may not be very eloquent to speak, but God hears us. Just like when he used Moses, being not eloquent to speak. Moses was even saying, Father, can't you use my brother Aaron? He can speak better than I do. Amen? But, it's got nothing to do with how you speak, how eloquent you are. It's the relationship that you have with your father. Because the father gives you, as you speak, as you are a child, actually when you are a child, sometimes you don't even know some words. When you want to say porridge, I don't know how little ones say porridge. But, in our language, when you want to say soft porridge, you say mukapu. But the children will say kapkapu. Kapkapu. And then the mother will still give mukap. Isn't it? Because it's not about the eloquency. Because that prayer is based on relationship. And the parent knows when the child says kapkapu, this child is saying mukapu. Amen. So, I'm saying to you, the language that God understands is his word. So, it means sometimes we give you the scriptures and even the scriptures that we are having here. So, when you go to God, you say, Father, I thank you that you said in your word that if we ask anything according to your will, you hear us. Mm -hmm. And since I know that you hear me, I believe that I receive what I'm praying for. Mm -hmm. And I ask you for this. Father, you said as a tither. You will keep on rebuking the devourer for my sake. You said you will open up windows of heaven for me and pour me out blessings that I will not have room enough to contain. You said all the people of the earth, when they look at me, they will see that I have a delightsome land. Amen. And they will call me blessed. So I also call myself blessed, oh Father. I'm not going to reverse your blessing with my tongue. Because you have blessed, and I am blessed. You see, you're speaking what God understands. The problem with some most people is we want to speak a lot of things that we heard somewhere else, which is not God's language. But if you take what God has already said, you will see even some of the scripture says, I will go down with you. If you speak what God has already said, then it's easy for you to know that God hears you. Because if God is the one, by the way, do you know that God is the one who started this healing business? God could have still decided, I don't heal anybody. When sickness comes, that's your problem. He could still have done that. Isn't it? But he's the one who decided, I am the Lord your healer. Amen. So now, when I pray for somebody who is sick, I don't go there and say, Father, if it's your will, heal him. Because he said it, he said he is the Lord, (coughs) our healer. So I can't say, Lord, if it's your will, then it means I did not check the constitution. He said, he is the Lord who heals me. So when I come to pray, I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, I am healed. And I thank you that my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is not a temple of sickness. Sickness, you've got no power in my body. You've got no authority in my body. Be removed from my body in Jesus' name. You see, I'm talking to the Father, but I'm also talking to the situation. So it's not always that for all things to change, you will always have to talk to the Father. Because the Father gave you the keys. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So some of the things they are waiting for you to lose them. Some of the things they are waiting for you to bind them. But you are keeping on saying, Father, I'm calling upon you. When you are supposed to be binding it or losing it. Think of this. You remember the time when... Peter and John were going to the temple in the hour of prayer. There was a crippled man there. Did you see how they prayed? They didn't say, Oh, Father, you can see this man is crippled. In the name of Jesus, we are asking you, Father, heal this person. He's crippled. We believe that if he gets healed, he will love you more. Mm -mm. Looked at him. And as he looked at them in anticipation, he said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And if you look there, they didn't ask anything from the Father. Did you get that? So there are some of the things where you just need to speak to it because the Father has given you the kingdom. He's given you authority. So it means... As you are spending time in prayer, some of the things the Father will guide you. For that, you just need to declare it. It's for you to declare it. You don't have to wait for me to do it. You know that we like this thing of saying, I'm waiting on God. Hmm? There are some waiting on God, which are genuine waits on the Lord, which is right. okay. But some waits on God are justification for doubts. Okay? Yeah. When you are supposed to be binding it or losing it, you can't be keeping on saying if it's God's will, when you already know what God has said. By the way, when you are given the key, I think I gave this example in Key to Extraordinary Life, so I believe all of you have the book. So, I was looking at this example of saying, if somebody gives you the key, to their house, and let's say it's raining, it's cold. When you have given them the key, you find them (laughs) waiting there outside and it's raining on them. They have the key, it's raining. And then you come there and say, why don't you get into the house? We don't know if it's the owner's will that we get in. If it's his will, we will get in. If it's not his will, we will wait here because we are humble. Then you will realize there is a problem, isn't it? So you will say, but if it's not his will, why did he give you the keys? Because if it's not my will for you to get into my house, then I just don't give you the keys. If I give you the keys, I'm saying, I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you the power to go and declare things. And in the book of Job... It says, and you shall decree a thing and it will be established unto you. Amen. So I want, to, I want you to live like a king where you decree things. Amen. You make a decree. Amen. Because that verse that says, whatever you bind on earth, other translation says, whatever you declare unlawful on the earth will be declared unlawful in heaven. Whatever you declare, whatever you permit, on earth will be permitted in heaven so that's why as for me there are a lot of things that I've declared to be unlawful amen it's unlawful for me to die in a car accident it's unlawful amen and 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 the father says yes you've declared it indeed it's unlawful it's lawful for the angels to preserve me and protect me wherever I go because the angel of the Lord encamps around me. Amen? So I'm talking in line with what the Father has said. And I reaffirm what the Father has said. And the Father confirms it. The problem with most people is that you want to pray but you do not know the word. Okay? So it means it's very necessary to know the word. You know what God has said. So let's go to John chapter 16 verse <clears throat> 23 to 27, New King James Version. John 16, 23 to 27, New King James Version. Okay, so that second part of they should pray and never be discouraged. So the one of never being discouraged, I think it's simple. You know that some of you were almost giving up on your prayers, isn't it? were things that you prayed for and you were feeling like giving up. So he says, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. So you remember in that story, he actually gave an example of an unjust judge. You remember the story? I heard Babu Nongwani also touched on it last week. So if this unjust judge, the Bible actually says, who never even regarded people. But because this widow woman was persistent, she was saying, I want justice. I'm pleading my case before you. And the Bible says, even though for some days the unjust judge could not give her what she needed, but he ultimately decided, no, I'm going to give her what she needs because otherwise she will wear me down. And then Jesus says, listen to what the unjust judge says. Don't you think the father will speedily give to his children what they ask, those who cry to him day and night. So he was saying, don't ever give up. Because even an unjust judge, after persistence, he will give in. Your father is not like that. Your father is just and your father is loving. So he will definitely speedily give you and grant you the request of your heart. There are many things that are troubling us. The father wants us to talk to him about them. And not be discouraged. Things will come to discourage you. So that you must say prayer doesn't work. Some of the people even come to a point of saying. Even this Christianity thing doesn't work. and They even backslide. And that's what the devil wants you to go for. Because he knows that it works. You, you, you're getting ready for John. Okay. Now if somebody says. Let's say somebody is a liar. Okay. And he says. It doesn't work, or it's not working. What does it mean? It means it works, or it's working, (laughs) because he's a liar. Amen? So that voice, that whispers to you and say, it's not working. That cannot be the father. You need to say, I know the voice of my father. I'm not going to follow the voice of a stranger. Because the father has already told me, he wants to give me the desires of my heart. Now go to this John, John 16, 23 to 27, New King James.
1: And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you.
0: So let's start there. So he says, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. So it means we ask the father in the name of Jesus. Now I'm teaching you how to pray. Okay? We ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Okay? Mm -hmm.
1: Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full.
0: I want you to look at this. He says, ask. It's like when he says, call to me. I will answer you and show you things that you don't know. Now he says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So it means as much as we've got the joy of the Lord, there may be things, did you know that if there are some things that are not in place, there's something missing in your joy. You've got the joy, but it's not complete. Other that translation says, so that your joy may be complete. So it means as much as I've got the joy of the Lord, but when that thing is still hanging there, Something is trying to steal my joy, trying to steal my peace. He says, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. So tell your neighbor, the father wants your joy to be full. Let not your hearts be troubled. Amen. Tell your neighbor, when you move from here, Go and ask. ask. The Father will give you. you. Then your joy will be full. Amen. 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 And this is Jesus himself saying it, isn't it? Because we heard there in Jeremiah, call to me, I'll answer you, show you this. Now here Jesus says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be Full. Continue.
1: These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and believed that I came forth from God.
0: Yeah. Jesus was really pleading that we must pray. He was really pleading with his disciples. So far you haven't been asking for things. Ask. So that the father may give you. And then your joy will be full. Hitherto you have not asked anything in my name. Ask. You will receive that your joy may be full. May be complete. And he says In that day, you will ask in my name. And he says, I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you. He is not saying, I don't say that I will pray for you. He is saying, I'm not going to pray the Father on your behalf. You need to pray. But I can pray for you. Amen. So there are people who don't like to pray. Who wants other people to pray for them? Have you ever noticed sometimes even coming to church? Pray for us. And that person is not given going to church. Oh, oh, you're going to church? Oh, pray for us. But are you praying for yourself? Hmm? Because Jesus here says, I don't say that I will pray the Father for you. You've got a role to play. I can pray for you as I intercede on your behalf. But you need to pray. And ask the father. He says because the father himself loves you. He wants personal fellowship with you. In essence if you listen to this verse closely. I don't think there would be anything wrong with Jesus praying for you. And making sure that everything happens on your behalf. Because he can talk to the father. And the father can do things for you. But he says in that way but you will be denied something man. You need fellowship with the Father yourself also. The Father loves you because you loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. So the Father wants to have fellowship with you. So tell your neighbor, even though I will pray for you, you also need to pray because the Father wants to fellowship with you. Yeah. We pray for one another But we don't pray on behalf of you. In other words, you do your own praying. I will still pray for you. Just like when I'm asking you as the church to pray for me as the pastor. That doesn't exempt me from praying. Amen. I'm saying in addition to the prayers that I'm making for myself, pray for me. Now imagine if my prayers and your prayers all come together. There's no force in hell that can defeat that. Amen. And as we stand together in prayer, praying for one another, caring for one another, loving one another, there is no force of the enemy that will defeat us. Sometimes there is even this thing where if we don't pray for each other often, you will usually be caught by surprise. I don't want to be caught by surprise. Because sometimes, how often did you hear somebody that maybe you know, that that person has passed away unexpectedly? And you thought, when last did I pray for that person? I didn't. Amen? So, it means if I had prayed for that person, I could have stood in the gap for the person. Or the Father could have revealed something to me to say, that one needs to know the Lord. Let somebody talk to them or I'll pray for them. Sometimes there's this. You may hear somebody maybe that you were with a few minutes ago and you hear the person... Is committed suicide and say, ah, How did that happen? I missed an opportunity to do this. I missed. But if you were always praying, you might have sensed something, then just give a person a call and say, Is everything well? Do you know that the father loves you? We are praying for you. And all of a sudden, that was the thing, the word that person needed. Because you are praying. And the Father can show you things to come. So go to this. First Thessalonians. I'm going to also encourage you that we need to pray for one another. First Thessalonians 1, verse 2 and 3, NIV. First Thessalonians 1, 2 and 3, NIV.
1: We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers.
0: Okay. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Amen. We need to continually mention each other in our prayers. We need to continually thank God for each other in our prayers. Amen. Just thanking God for your brethren. Thanking God for your relatives. Thanking God for your children. Thanking God for your parents. Thanking God for your fellow congregants. And also mentioning them in your prayers. Amen. Sometimes you may even mention them by names. Amen. You just just feel something is dropped in your heart to pray for this sister. You pray for them. Mention them by name. Okay, verse 3.
1: We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our
0: Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that verse 3 is poetic. Listen. He says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. We can see a lot of results That has come forth because of your faith. James puts it, faith without works is dead. So we want to see the fruit of your faith. Now, this thing I think I've also touched it on, yeah, on K2 Extraordinary Life. How your faith works. Each one of us, every day we've got an opportunity to exercise our faith. When the Bible says the just shall live by faith, it means every one of you who is a child of God, you've got an opportunity to exercise your faith every day. It's just that sometimes you decide not to exercise your faith. The problem is this. I think in the, in, in, in the book I gave an example with... Okay. Yeah, let me put it this way. Yeah, let me start with the example of real exercise. I gave that example also in the book. If you want to be able to carry heavy things like this one, you need to start exercising with lighter ones, isn't it? You start exercising with lighter ones, and then you're developing your muscles. And your muscles are getting stronger. And it comes to a place where you can carry an 80 kg thing. Okay? But you don't start with the 80 kg. So, if I look at the things... You know, at our home, we've got somebody who likes exercising. <laughs> it's Abner. So, it means if there's something that's heavy, we know who to call. <laughs> Isn't it? Because it can't be that if you haven't been exercising and now something is heavy and you think you will carry it. You won't be able to carry it because you haven't been taking opportunity to carry lighter things and develop your muscles. Faith works exactly like that. So, let's give you this example. Did you know that all of us, we get an opportunity to get a flu? Or even a simple thing like headache. Yeah. And some of those, they are lightweights. (laughs) If you talk about sicknesses and you (laughs) compare headache with either cancer or HIV, you're talking lightweights. So, start with the lightweights. Now imagine the lightweight comes and it's hitting you, and you think of Panado. You are missing an opportunity to be trained. So, when that thing is coming your way, it's a training opportunity. See it as a training opportunity. Because if you always take shortcuts, when the heavy things, thing comes and now the devil throws cancer on you, You were not used to carrying things. Now, this is too heavy. And then you will succumb. But if when those things came and it challenges you. Actually, David puts it this way. He says, Lord, you train my hands for battle. You train me for battle. So it means even in our own individual walk with the Lord, we've got an opportunity every day. We've got an opportunity to exercise our faith. And as you exercise your faith in this one, it gives you confidence that I can exercise my faith in the next one. You remember how David faced Goliath? He said, the same God who delivered me from the paw of a bear and a lion will deliver me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. Amen? Amen. So it means you need to have something that you know. Okay, there was this thing. And he even said... (laughs) The, 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 the lion came, the bear came, and I struck him. I followed him. So in the same way, you will say, oh, there was this time when the enemy attacked me with this. And I really felt I was about to give in, but I decided I'm going to stand on the word. I stood on the word, and it was tough and difficult, and, but I kept on standing. I kept on confessing those words, the words about healing, the scriptures. I stood on the way and I saw the Lord coming through for me. So with this challenge, this challenge will be not different from the challenge that I've gone through before. Amen. Amen. That's what David said. He said, this uncircumcised Philistine will be not different from those ones that I've annihilated before. So I'm saying to you, your work produced by faith is not dependent on how long you've been in the Lord. Because there is also this thing. Again, the same thing, the example of people who exercise. I'm older than Abna, I'm his father. But because I don't exercise often, I can't claim to say, no, but I'm his father. It means I can carry heavier things than him. (laughs) Because I'm his father. It doesn't work that way. So there are many people who say, young man, be careful. We've been in this faith thing for 30 years. For 40 years, even before you were born, we were busy with faith things. And now you think you've got faith? It doesn't work that way. We want to see your work produced by faith. What is your faith yielding? Is there something that shows, indeed, you've been 30 years in the Lord? Because you don't have to tell us you were 30 years in the Lord. We will see it when you carry things that are equivalent to 30 years in the Lord. Amen. Amen. And he says, your labor prompted by love. Okay? Now, when he says your labor prompted by love, if you are going to do anything in the house of the Lord and you are not prompted by love, you are going to get discouraged. Because sometimes you do things so that people must see you. If they don't see you, then you will be discouraged. But if your labor is prompted by love, you will not be discouraged. Because, you know, I was doing it prompted by love. My labor was prompted by love. My labor in the Lord is not in vain. I'm going to be steadfast, immovable. Because I know that my labor in the Lord is not in vain. And he says, your endurance inspired by hope. Oh. Your endurance inspired by hope. So the thing that will make you endure is when you have hope. Okay? Your endurance is inspired by hope. If you never have any hope of the future, you will not stand strong. You will not endure. You will quit. But when you have a hope set before you, you remember Hebrews 12. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of his majesty on high. So there was something ahead that he could see. It helped him to endure. So even with you as a Christian, as a child of God, you endure because you are inspired by hope. Even in your Christian walk, the thing that makes you not backslide is because you've got hope of the future. Okay? Even when things seem to be taking time and it seems like your prayer is not getting answered, but you're still having hope. That's why you will endure. So usually when we quit, even in our prayer life, maybe you were praying for something and now you've given up, it's because you've given up hope. Okay? Hope. Hope is very crucial. Because it will keep you going. Because you are looking forward to something. Okay. There is this verse. Which I like. It it encourages people. If maybe you are sick and all that. It says your will to live. I have also quoted it. In the key to extraordinary life. It says your will to live. Will sustain you. When you are sick. But if you lose it. Your last hope is gone. You know why many people die immediately? They have been told they have got HIV. Let's say this person was living and you never knew that he's got HIV. He was living fine. But the moment he's diagnosed, he's got HIV, he's got AIDS, he's got this stage, he's at this stage, it's this, this, this. Then they start being afraid. They start losing hope. And when you lose hope, you are gone. Amen? The Bible says your will to live can sustain you when you are sick. But if you lose it, your last hope is gone. So it means even for many things in our own life, our endurance will only be inspired by hope. You need hope. Okay? We're not talking hope like when a person says, I hope... This and this will happen. That's not the hope that we're talking about. We're talking about a hope that is the fruit of the spirit. A hope that is like faith. In other words, there is something ahead there that I'm anticipating to happen. And that is what I'm gunning for. Okay? As I'm gunning for it, it doesn't matter what I'm going through now. There is something that I've seen there. It's like, you know, the the, the, the runners. When you are in a race, and let's say you are very tired now, and you feel like giving up, and the legs are aching, but you remember a medal. You remember a medal. Isn't it? You feel like quitting, but if there was no medal and there was nothing, no reward at the end, you would easily give up, isn't it? (laughs) But because there's something that I'm gunning for, my legs may be aching but I'm still going. So tell your neighbor, my legs may be aching, but I'm still going. It's because of the hope ahead of you. So it means even those many challenges around you, the things that want you to sit down and quit. If you do not have hope, you will quit. But if you've got hope, you are not going to quit. Can we go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18? Now, I need to touch on this also because you also need to understand that prayer has got kinds. Okay? And it's not kinds just for the sake of saying kinds of prayer. Okay, let me ask you this simple question Do you know that we've got different kinds of cars? We've got different kinds of cars, isn't it? Do you think it's just kinds for the sake of kinds? Okay. Again, I'll ask what's your favorite car? Mercedes Benz. Okay. So let's take Mercedes Benz. Mercedes Benz is a very good car. But for specific things. When you want to take a long journey going home, You want to enjoy your Mercedes-Benz in a tar road. It's a good car. It will work well. Okay? But when you want to carry instruments and it's muddy, Mercedes-Benz is a bad car. It won't work. Okay? You need a 4x4 with those big tires and you need it to be a bucky. Then you can load the instruments. Okay? So it means... It's not kinds of cars just for the sake of kinds. It's kinds for the sake of how to utilize them. So go to Ephesians 6. I want to show you something. Because some of you say, ah, prayer is not working. It's like saying, this sedan Mercedes of mine doesn't work. It can't carry instrument. It gets stuck on the mud. You're using a wrong car. So even in your own life, Sometimes you say prayer doesn't work when you are using the wrong kind of prayer for a specific thing that you're looking for. It surely it's prayer, but it's not the right one for what you are looking for. So, and I will show it to you in scriptures: Ephesians six eighteen NIV. Ephesians six eighteen NIV. <coughs> And
1: pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests.
0: Okay. With what? Pray with what? All kinds. Do prayers have kinds? And some of you say, oh, I never knew. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. Amen. All kinds of prayer and requests. So you need all kinds. Amen. That's why you will need a bucky. You will need a a sedan. Sometimes you even need a small um, Chevrolet Spark. When you need to to save petrol, you need that one. (laughs) Just take you from point A to point B. Okay? You need all kinds. So even in your prayer life, he says, pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for the Lord's people. Now, let's look at some of those kinds. First Timothy 2 1 and Philippians 4 6. We'll do it in King James and NIV for 1 Timothy 2 1. And then we'll do New King James. And NIV for Philippians 4.6. And I just want to touch on some kinds of prayers. So that then you can understand, okay, there are these different kinds of prayers. Then maybe sometimes I might have been using a wrong kind of prayer and thought that prayer doesn't work. When I was not using the right kind of prayer. So he says pray at all times with all kinds of prayers. Okay. Okay. Let's start with First Timothy 2.1 NIV and King James. You can decide which one to start with.
1: I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people.
0: Okay. So here he talks of petitions and prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving, listing some kinds of prayers, isn't it? But if you read, they say a similar thing in... The King James. Just do it in King James.
1: I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men.
0: Okay. Did you notice there's a difference between these two verses from different translations? Okay? They all talk about prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving, but they don't both talk about, one talks about petition, another one talks about supplication. Did you get that? So, I can assume this petition and supplication are very close to each other, or they are probably the same kind of prayer, or they are close, okay? But intercession is clear. Thanksgiving, clear, okay? So now, do it in in Philippians 4, 6, New King James Version and NIV.
1: Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God.
0: Do you see even here, he's not urging you to pray one kind of prayer. Hmm? In Timothy, he says intercessions, thanksgiving, petition or supplication. Now he says, be anxious for, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And in the NIV it says prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So the issue is that many times you may find that we're always doing one kind of prayer. So I would say supplication, it's when you are petitioning God with a specific request. Okay? That's why supplication would be very close to petition petition, those of you who to it or you know you, you've got petitions, isn't it? Hmm. You write something and you go there, we demand and you want somebody to receive your petition. Okay? God is not intimidated by petitions. Tell your neighbor, God is not intimidated by petitions. God is not intimidated by petitions. He actually encourages you to petition him. He you to... <laughs> yeah, God is not threatened. Okay? What you need, he wants to deliver. It's only politicians who've got problems with service delivery. Okay? But God says, petition me. Petition me. I want to hear from you. What do you want? I want to do it for you. Tell me. Amen? Amen. So don't feel like you are humble. You don't want to petition God. He says with petition with supplication but some of the sometimes it won't work just to go with a petition huh sometimes you need to intercede you need to plead a case okay so when you are pleading a case it's different from when you are bringing a petition with a petition you you do something like this father I thank you that you said in your word that you will supply all my needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm asking you for this, this, and this. In Jesus' name, amen. I've petitioned him. But when you go for intercession, you are saying, I know that this one may be everyone. It's almost like I was telling you about the different kinds of casts. I think the four by fours with mud, I think that's, that's uh, intercession. It's a heavy work there. Okay? It's a heavy work there. It's not smooth sailing. It's not enough just to say, but Father, you said in your word this and this in Jesus' name, amen. Mm-mm. Sometimes you need to intercede, plead a case, stand your ground. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Keep on pushing. Amen. 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 Interceding. Because intercession also has got to do with it's pleading until you see something happens or even standing on behalf of somebody. Yeah. So can we go to Isaiah 59, verse 15 to 17 in New King James Version? Or we just do 15 and 16? Yeah. Isaiah 59, 15, 16 in New King James Version.
1: So, truth fails, and who departs from evil himself makes himself a prey. Isaiah 59, verse
0: 15 to 17, New King James. Okay, proceed. Maybe it's still coming.
1: Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice.
0: Okay. Then the Lord saw, you see, he said something, and he says, the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. You see that when something is not just, the Lord doesn't like it. It's like when the the unjust judge. There was no justice, but the unjust judge didn't mind. But the lady prevailed until the unjust judge had to change things. So then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. So when there is no justice, does God just change things and justice comes? Listen. Listen.
1: He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor.
0: Ah. Okay. So the Lord looked and said, with such injustice, why is there no intercessor? Why is there nobody that could stand in the gap and come and plead the case? Because I want to change things. But I need an intercessor. I need somebody that can stand in the gap. I want to save their relative. But I want somebody who will stand in the gap and pray for them. I want to grant this. I want to do this. I want to change that injustice there. But I need somebody who can intercede. Okay? Sometimes your relatives or people close to you, they may be facing danger. And the Lord wants to save them. But he's wondering, why is there no intercessor? I want to do something for them. But I can't just do it. I need somebody to use on the earth. I want, I want a human vessel to use on the earth. Now, if you are a friend of God, like James 2.23 says in NIV, it says we are, you are a friend of God. So if Abraham was the friend of God. So if you are a friend of God, maybe let's read it. James 2.23, because I want to give you a bit about this uh, intercession. A bit about intercession, and then I'll touch a bit about fasting, and then we'll lend. We'll learn. But I just need to touch some few of those things for you, so that you can understand these kinds of prayers. So with intercession, this is the basis for intercession, James 2.23 NIV.
1: And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was created to him righteousness and he was called God's friend. Hmm.
0: He was called God's friend. Friends talk with each other, isn't it? Friends even convince each other. Yeah. When you are a friend of somebody. So when you are interceding, God says... I wanted to save them. I wanted to do something. But I wondered that there was no man. I wondered that there was no intercessor. I ended up having even to take it on my own. To do it. When actually I needed an intercessor among them. I wanted somebody to stand in the gap for them. Amen. So now here it says, Abraham was God's friend. Now can we go to Genesis 18? from verse 16. Genesis 18 from verse 16 in the New King James Version. I want to show you a a simple example of intercession. Because when the Bible says Abraham was God's friend, so Jesus says, you are my friends. You are no longer slaves. You remember that scripture? He says a slave does not know the will of the father, the master. You are not slaves to me. You are my friends. So because you are my friends, I want us to talk, amen, and in Isaiah 1 it says, come let us reason together. You come before the Father and we talk, let's talk this one out, you are praying, okay? But there are times sometimes when you will have to plead your case. Okay, as we're getting to that Genesis 18, 16 to 33, I wanted to give you one example and then we'll do this one. You see, being a friend of God is so good. Because he will let you in on his secrets. But he also listens to you. You remember one time God was very angry about the children of Israel and he wanted to finish them in the desert. Hmm. Think about that story. It says, the Lord said, for how long will I bear with these people? They keep on tempting me and they don't believe me despite all the miracles that I've showed them. He says, Moses. I think I'm going to finish up with these people. Destroy all of them and start afresh with you because you seem to understand me better. What did Moses say? (laughs) Moses said, Father, I don't think that's a good idea. Because the Egyptians will hear it and they will say, he realized that he could no longer get them to the promised land then he finished them in the desert. And God said, you're right. I think the way we will have to do it, let's just say then there's a certain age that will go. Those who believe should be allowed to go and a certain age, but others will not get there. But at least my promise will still be fulfilled that I got them to the promised land. But it was good that Moses could talk to God like his friend, isn't it? I don't think that's a good idea. The Egyptians will hear it, And I thought, Moses, how did you think of that? And indeed, I think the Egyptians were going to say, he said he's delivering them to the promised land, and now there's nobody who reached the promised land. He finished them. And he said, you're right. So listen to this. Genesis 18, 16 to 33, New King James.
1: Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way.
0: It's after this... uh, It says the three men or angels or whichever way that we describe them. But you will hear every time it would refer to them also as the Lord. Like scholars say in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament where you find the angel of the Lord. They say it refers to the Lord Jesus himself. I do not know. I'm not a scholar. I'm telling you what the scholars are saying. But continue.
1: And the Lord said
0: Okay. Now it was those men, but the Lord is saying. Okay? So you can make your deduction. Mm-hmm.
1: Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing?
0: How? Do you think God can do that with you? Huh? Be so much of a friend that God will say, I want to do something in Milner But can I hide this one from this one? No ways. Mrs. Todole is a prayer warrior that she keeps on coming to me. So when I want to do something in Midnight and I can't leave her out of this one. I want to reveal some things to her. She's got time with me. So I'm going to share some things with her. She says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Mm -hmm.
1: Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, and the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know.
0: Okay. I won't get much into Sodom and Gomorrah, but you know what was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. You may say it's politically incorrect, but we know what was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? If you read your Bibles. Okay? So we're not talking politics here. We are talking the word. Continue.
1: Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham
0: still stood before the Lord. Okay. What do you think... Lot was thinking about, Abraham was thinking about? I just gave you the answer. With my slip of tongue. I I said, what do you think Lot was thinking about? Because, you see, in my mind, I wanted to ask you, what was Abraham thinking about Lot? Okay? You remember when they parted ways, Abraham and Lot? Lord used his eyes to choose the future. Like some of you, you don't pray. You just get this a good offer. Hey, this is a good package. This is a good package job. And you don't know that that company is going to be liquidated in a year's time. Okay? So you just look with your eyes. So he looked, and Sodom and Gomorrah looked like a very fruitful place. And he chose that. So now, Lord, at this time, was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, when the Lord says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, what do you think Abraham thought of? Lord. He says, but I've got Lord and his family there. And I wouldn't want him to be destroyed with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. So now listen. Look at intercession now.
1: And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the
0: wicked? <laughs> you see how? How how Abraham, you see, when you are a friend, you see how he's setting up God. He knows there is a righteous person there. And but God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, Lord, are you going do you mean being God? You would destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. He doesn't say Lot yet. Okay? Uh-huh.
1: Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Hmm. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? Okay. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked.
0: How do you talk to God like that? You can only do that when you are God's friend, man. Huh? He says, if there are 50 righteous people there, are you going to destroy? That's not like you. Far be it from you to destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. Okay.
1: So that the righteous shall be as the wicked, far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Mm. So the Lord said, if I can find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes.
0: Yo, I like this one. It means sometimes some people are getting spared because of you. Hey. He says, if I can find the 50 righteous there, I'm going to spare Sodom and Gomorrah just for the sake of the 50 righteous people. So sometimes even when you get into a car or get into an aeroplane, it will be safe because you are there. Okay, continue.
1: Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Hey,
0: I like this. So so he was talking to God, but he realized, hey, now I'm talking as if I'm God, man. But I'm just dust and earth, but I've taken upon me to speak to God. Can we all say, I'm just dust and earth, but I can speak to God. God. Because we are mere human beings, but God allows us to approach his throne with boldness. Amen. 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 So that's what Abraham was saying. So he realized, hey, it seems, am I really pushing God here? Hmm? I'm just a mere human being. Continue.
1: Suppose there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for lack of five? So he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. Hmm. Okay. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be... So do you
0: see what Abraham is doing? This is what we call intercession. This is not petition. He's moving. He's moving moving the boundaries. Okay, continue.
1: For he said, I will not do it for the sake of forty. Then he said... Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Mm. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Sure. Uh-huh. And he said, Indeed now, I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 okay. should be found So when there.
0: you are interceding, you have taken it upon yourself to speak to the Lord. You have taken it upon yourself to plead the case. And say, Lord... I'm pleading for this case. Mm -hmm.
1: So he went, so he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Mm -hmm. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more.
0: Okay. Now he realized it seems I'm bothering God. I want to speak one last time. Okay. You remember, he moved God from 50, 45, 30. 20, now he thinks, I'm pushing a bit. Do you sometimes feel like that when you're asking God and it it seems now I'm pushing boundaries a bit? So he says, once more, can I just get one last chance? So let's hear what's your one last chance.
1: Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10.
0: Okay, I want to ask you a question. Imagine he had said, suppose one should be found there. What do you think would have happened? I think the same answer. I think the same answer. The same answer that he said for 50, for 45, for 30, for 40, for 30, for 20, for 10. I believe he could have said the same answer. But he said one last time. So God, at least God, the one thing that God realized is that I can read what Abraham is talking about. He's more talking about Lot. So we'll make sure that Lot is safe. Lot, Lot and his family will ensure that they are out of the city but we will still destroy the city. Because he did not ask what about one? Okay? So when you are interceding there is this thing. I once saw this slogan. They, call, they used to call it push. They say pray until something happens. That's intercession. Okay? So now, he prays, what if it's 50? What about 45? What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? Actually, before the 10, he said, one last chance. So I'm saying, when you approach God's throne, do it with boldness. He's inviting you. Don't feel like you are a nuisance. I think he was feeling, it seems I'm a nuisance now. God, can you just give me one last chance? We do that with people. But God is not like that. God wants to hear us. Okay? So I'm just showing you what is intercession. And what is to intercede. Okay? So can we take this one last one? The other kind of prayer? Okay, the other one, you know Thanksgiving, you know how to do it. We're not talking about praise and worship today. You also know that's a kind of prayer. Okay? Uh, So... He says pray with all kinds of prayer. Okay? So there are times when you would be interceding after interceding, then you start thanking God. Sometimes you give a petition, a thanksgiving uh, petition, and after that you start thanking God. It's always good to spice your prayer with thanksgiving. Okay? Continue. It's uh, Acts 13, 1 to 3. I think we'll need to pick up speed because my time is finished. We've got to begin our descent.
1: Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said,
0: Okay. Now, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. In the NIV in mind, he says, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting. Mm-hmm. As they were worshipping the Lord and fasting you see that's this worship but there's also fasting and the holy spirit said so the lord will speak when you are praying he wants to reveal and show you great and mighty things that you don't know okay continue
1: Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Mm. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off.
0: Amen. So we can pray and fast also. Okay? And by the way, fasting does not change God because God does not change. Fasting changes you. Positions you. As you put your body under so that your spirit will take precedent. Okay? As you spend more time in the presence of the Lord, that you may be more sensitive to the Lord. Amen? Yeah. So it means when you are fasting, let it be that you are saying, I'm denying my body pleasures and giving chance to my spirit to be fed and to spend more time in prayer. That's clearly spelled in Isaiah 58 verse 3 to verse 11 in the NIV we won't read it it was talking about what is the kind of fasting that is acceptable to him so I want you to understand that that it means when you are putting your body when you are humbling your body putting your body under in fasting making sure that your spirit take dominance okay So the other one, it's when we pray, it's called praying in the spirit. Okay, let's go. Romans 8, 26 to 28, New King James Version. Trying to pick up speed. Romans 8, 26 to 28, New King James Version.
1: Likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered.
0: Okay, so he says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, okay, in our infirmities. Sometimes we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Can I just explain that? So let me use the same example that I talked about Babun Mongwane. I said that his family is up in the north. And if you are going to pray, let's say for your wife or for your children, only with what your mind knows, you will be limited. Because you don't even know what they are going through right now as we speak. You will only pray the things that you think they need. So this one says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmities or weaknesses, when we do not know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit can, because the Holy Spirit is everywhere, the Holy Spirit is God, isn't it? Yeah. So when you pray in the Spirit or when you pray in other tongues, you are even getting that opportunity to be able to touch things that your mind does not know. Okay? So that's why as a child of God, it's necessary that you also desire to be baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues because there would be some things sometimes you just have this burden to pray and you you just feel I want to pray but I, I don't know what to say then you could pray in the spirit okay knowing that the Holy Spirit is now pleading the case through you making intercession through you amen because The Holy Spirit is God. He's everywhere. He knows everything. Isn't it? Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So even if your groanings and your utterances were not clear to the mind, God knows what you're saying through the Spirit. Amen. So that's another kind of prayer. You're getting that? Mm. So I want us to conclude with two things. Just an example how you can mix, maybe I must just use the one portion of scripture. I've got many still to share, but I think you've got enough for the day, so I've got to begin the descent now. We're going to learn with Second Chronicles 20 from verse 1. Verse 22, for those of you who are writing notes. So we're landing with this one. Because I want to show you how to mix all these things. You you heard that we should pray with all kinds of prayers, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm saying, you need all these kinds of prayers. Because some of you, you only know how to ask. You don't know how to thank God. You don't even know how to worship God. You don't even know how to praise God. Every time you come before God, you're coming to ask. Imagine if you have a child who always comes to you because they have a need. Hmm? You parents. You know, this one never comes to me because he loves me as his father or as his mother. He's coming to me because he has a need. Every time he comes to me, he's coming to ask. But sometimes we want children... You know, children, especially the four or five-year-olds, they are very good in worshipping and praising their parents. You are the best daddy in the world. You are the best mommy in the world. He's not asking anything. It's just praising you. And you feel good. You even say, what do you want me to do for you? Because now you've already said I'm the best mom in the world. And best mommies do something for their children. What do you want me to do for you? Now, it's easy for you to ask after saying you are the best mommy in the world. Now, I want you to look at the 2 Chronicles 20, 1 to 22, New King James Version. For the sake of time, I'll read it. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and others with them, beside the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So, it was three Nations against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is Engedi." And Jehoshaphat feared. Okay? So sometimes some situations will intimidate you. Okay? Do you know that sometimes you, you are believing God, but something comes, and it makes you afraid? Don't give way to panic. But the spirit of fear will try to attack you and make you to be afraid. So it says, "Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord." Ask your neighbor, when something is intimidating you, what do you do? Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. So it says, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. Okay. A proclaimed fast. You see, when you are fasting as a group, you call it a proclaimed fast. In other words, we will announce it that we are going to fast. It's not a show-off. You remember when Jesus says, when you fast, get into your closet. And he says, you must even apply the lotion so that it doesn't appear to men to be fasting. So don't show off with your fasting. Okay? But a proclaimed fast means we, are, we have said among ourselves we are going to fast, all of us together. So it will be known among us because it's a proclaimed fast. So Proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. So, Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly and Jerus- uh, uh, of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. So he was standing in the assembly, in the temple, in the house of the Lord and said, listen to how Jehoshaphat prays. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You, you know what he was going to pray for? He was going to ask for deliverance from the three kings. But look at how he starts. Do you see that? Hmm. Oh Lord, our God, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there no power and might so that there's no one who can withstand you? You see what he's doing. <laughs> he knows what he wants to talk about. But he doesn't start there. He says, Lord, I know you are a powerful God. Imagine there is sickness in your body and he starts saying, I know you are a powerful God. I know there is nothing impossible with you. And now you talk sickness. That's minor. Amen. Because you started by giving God his place. Are you getting this? This man was in the Old Testament, but look at how he's praying. So he says, do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there no power and might so that no one can withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out? So it's like saying to God, Are you not my father? I know you are my father. So when I have this need, I can't go anywhere else. I need to come to you to ask you because you are my father. And I know you are a father who cares. I know you are a father who provides. I know you always meet our needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I know that you are my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. And then you say what you want to say. Then he says, where are we? Verse Okay, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwelt in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster come upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence. For your name is in this temple and cried out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save so he was praying in the temple and he said they've, when they built this place, they even said that if we come to this place and pray, you are going to hear us. So there was a time, I think it was this Friday, past Friday, as I was praying, I was thinking I'm in the house of the Lord and this is the place when I'm going to talk to God in this place. He hears me. I know he hears me everywhere, but when I'm even in his temple, it's even more nicer. Like here, he says... You said when we come and stand in your presence, in this temple, in your presence, and cry out to you, you will hear us and save. And now, you see now, when he starts now saying, give us this day our daily bread, he started by saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, give us this day our daily bread. So some of you, your prayers are, give us this day our daily bread. You need to start by saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And when you come to the bread, it's simple. The reason why your faith is also struggling to carry that is because you're giving this to God before you even have said how great God is. So then you still think this problem is big. But you start by exalting and magnifying God and saying, he's worthy to be praised. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too hard for him. You see, there was this thing. Yeah, I think I've got it also in the book. When I think, when there is sickness in my body, and I think how God raised Lazarus, how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I thought Lazarus was stinking. His body has decayed and stinking. And he fixed it. God fixed it. So mine is not even stinking. Mine is not even dead. So mine will be healed. Amen. Sometimes it's good to look at what God can do, and now you come to your situation, you apply it in your situation. Now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they have come out of uh, the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw out also out of your inheritance, out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. You see that sometimes the enemy will come and disinherit you. What is rightfully yours? Mm. It's rightfully yours. The Lord is, wants to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. So he says they want to dispossess us of our inheritance that you've given us. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude which is coming against us. No, do we know what to do? But our eyes are upon you. Some of your challenges, sometimes, they are beyond what you can make on your own. Do you know that sometimes when you've got a challenge, sometimes you've got alternatives? You've got plan B and plan C. Some problems don't even have plan B. You realize there's no other plan. Listen. Imagine you are surrounded. You are Joshua. Jehoshaphat. These three nations have come against you. They have outnumbered you. They are stronger than you. Now... Your eyes have to be only on God. So he says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. So I'm encouraging any of you, if you have a problem, a thing that you realize, I've even thought of plan B and plan C. They won't work. My might cannot give me victory on this one. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. Can we get rest in that? Just to know that I've tried to calculate this. It's not making up. It's not adding up to what I wanted to add up. to. It's not enough. The soldiers that I have, it's not enough. The money that I have, it's not enough. But I'm trusting you. He says, but my eyes, our eyes are upon you. Can we all say, but our eyes are upon you? I want each, each one of us. We Just take a minute and pray. Okay? I want you to think of that thing. The thing that is like Jehoshaphat's case here. Which is beyond you. Alternatives cannot work. That problem that you see, that even plan B will not work. This is just too much for me. But my eyes are upon the Lord. So let's just take a minute and say, we tell the Lord what we tell him. But tell him at the end, but my eyes are upon you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That was not planned. Okay? We did it as the Spirit prompted us to do it. And when you go home, you even have enough time to even start by worshiping God. But there are some things where you say, I've even added, it even comes with money. You know that sometimes you're looking for something and you add and it doesn't add up. Because here, Jehoshaphat had an army that was not enough to fight those others. He says, we don't even know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now, all Judah, verse 13, with their little ones, their wives, their children, stood before the Lord. I like this. (laughs) So this problem was too big that even the children. By the way, don't leave out your children in prayer. (laughs) Even the little ones. It says here. Now all Judah, with their little ones, with their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael. You remember in Acts, when they prayed, the Spirit said. You remember that? As as Abraham was praying, the Lord said. In Jeremiah it says, Call unto me, And I want to show you things. Now, here, they prayed. Now, listen to this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. So, when you pray, the Lord will say something. And he said, verse 15 Listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants. So, he's showing them things to come. Listen, all you Judah and all Jerusalem, all you Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord to you. Don't be afraid, nor be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours but God's. What comforting words! What comforting words! So that's why I'm saying go to God in prayer. As you pray, the Lord will give you a word. So he says, don't be afraid because you are not the one that will fight this one. You are looking at your army and it's not adequate. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you'll find them there at the end of the brook. Before the wilderness with Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Do you know that there are many battles that you are fighting in where you don't need to fight? Hmm. Tell your neighbor there are many battles that you are fighting where you don't need to fight. Mm. And that's why you think it's very hard. Do you know that sometimes you even get stress or depression? Because you are trying to fight the battles that you shouldn't be fighting. He says, The battle, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed we need to hear god encouraging us <laughs> tomorrow go out against them for the lord is with you jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground what was he doing worshiping and all judah and the inhabitants of jerusalem bowed before the lord worshiping the lord you see how he's mixing all these prayers yeah. did you see how he started praising god telling god who he is and you are a powerful God, all these things, you delivered us, you did this, you did this. Then in between, he said, they are coming here, but we're trusting you. Can you deliver us? Now when he gets that, with all the inhabitants, bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites, of the children of Koathites and the children of the Korahites, stood up, to praise the Lord, God of Israel, with voices loud and high. So you musicians, it means there's also time now I've praised God. I've told God what I need. I've worshipped him. But I also want to praise him in music. Amen. I want to praise him in music. So musicians, take your ministry also very seriously. Actually, the man of God says, Hezekiah, he says, don't take this lightly because the Lord has appointed you to lead worship. Okay? So now he says, listen to this. Where were we? Okay. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tokoa, and they went out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. So what was he saying? Even after all these things, after these promises have been given you, you still need to keep your faith. Believe in the Lord your God. So, they were told those promises, but they hadn't seen it happening yet, isn't it? They just had peace that it will happen. But he says, keep the faith. Believe in the Lord your God, but you also need to believe the prophets of the Lord, what they taught you, what they told you. You remember what the pastor was teaching you? Believe it because that's the word of God. Okay? Okay. And when they had consulted with the people and appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness, they went out before the army and they were saying, now, can we sing? Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. So I want the baraton to say, praise the Lord. Then the altar. For his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy. Because they were going. Going in the army. Amen. Let's start, Mr. MJ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Enjoyeth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy. We are marching. Praise the Lord for his messenger forever. Amen. As you are marching. Yeah, you can clap your hands. Amen. And we are marching toward the enemy. And the walls of Jericho will come down. Amen. They say the walls of Jericho in width. It's like you take two trucks and put one behind the other. That was the width. So you can't destroy such a wall. You need supernatural power to destroy such a wall. So, praise the Lord for his mercy messenger forever. Praise the Lord. So we are no longer even talking about our problems here. We're just praising. Amen. And as you are praising, what happens to the walls of Jericho? They've got to fall down. Amen. Can we land it there? Yeah, there's still much more to say, but let's land it there. Because we said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I believe the Lord has taught us to pray. The Lord has taught us how to mix different kinds of prayers. The Lord has also gave a very typical example here. If you look at this Jehoshaphat thing, this guy lived in the Old Covenant. But look at how he mixed them. Okay. So, sometimes, especially you who are worshippers, sometimes you guys should just win your battles, even when you are in your kitchen, and just start singing. Do you know that sometimes when you sing these songs of worship, songs of praise, instead of meditating upon the problem, you start seeing the greatness of God. And you say, because he lives. I can face tomorrow Because it All fear is gone. And Because I know. Yes, I know. He holds the future, and life is worth a living just because he lives. Amen. I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future, and he's on my side. Can We all thank God for the word that we've heard. Father, we thank you. We bless you for this word. We honor you, my Father, for the power of your word. We thank you, Father, for encouraging us, for teaching us to pray. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for confirming your word with signs following. In Jesus' name. Father, we honor you. You are so good to us. You are our faithful father. You are our mighty God. We love you, Lord. We honor you for teaching us to pray. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.